0: Welcome to the Fatherhood Challenge podcast. The Fatherhood Challenge is a movement to awaken and inspire fathers everywhere to take great pride in their role and to challenge society to understand how important fathers are to the stability of an environment and culture. Are you a father? Then I am talking to you. Do you know who you are? You are a legend. And what do legends do? They leave a legacy. Those that leave a legacy define and change society around them. They change their culture. They change their moment in time. They change the future. You are a father. So you have that power, a lot of power. Take pride in that. Take pride in your fatherhood. In every episode, we're going to encourage and challenge each other to step up and do courageous things that make our families and communities better places. So let's get to it right now. Greetings, everyone. This is Jonathan here. Thank you for listening to the The Fatherhood Challenge Podcast. Always, always great to have you with me here. But we have somebody else here with us. His name is Vince Snyder. Uh, He was formerly the Benton County Sheriff and uh, definitely a devoted father. I am so grateful to have him here, pick his brain a little bit, and uh, hopefully we learn some things out of it. I'm sure we will. I definitely will. Uh, So we're going to start with Vince. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, if you would, please?
1: You bet. Um, just for clarification, uh, I was a deputy sheriff with Benton County, and I uh, ran for the office of sheriff and was not successful in that bid, but I did work for, uh, work for the sheriff's office for about nine years. Um, again, uh, my name is Vince Snyder. I've been in, uh, was, I was a law enforcement officer for 20 years. Uh, my career started with the city of Cedar Rapids. Um, I also worked for the U.S. Marshal's Office as a special deputy United States Marshal for seven years, and um, also worked in the Benton County communities, working for the Benton County Sheriff's Office, the City of Belle Plaine, um, the City of Benton, also also their police departments. Um, basically, that's my professional background. Um, in 2016, again, I ran for sheriff, and uh, I lost that bid, and that's when I retired out of law enforcement uh, with uh, 20 years of doing it. Um, I still, uh, maintain, um, employment as a civilian investigator with the city of Cedar Rapids as, um, a code enforcement position. Um, so I still work hand in hand with law enforcement. Um, but, uh, so basically that's my professional uh, pedigree. Um, All right. I was going to say I'm 49 years old and, uh. Still plugging away here at the, at the code enforcement job.
0: That's quite a resume. I'm sure. I can only imagine just the things that you've seen just within your career alone. It it keeps you busy. I imagine it's, I, I I can't even imagine my respect for law enforcement is so profound. The things that they've seen um, that most of us would never want to be involved with. um, It, it's just amazing. We'll get into some of it a little bit later on here. Um, other than that, it's, um, the week's been pretty incredible. I I like to spend my time reading as much as I can. Um, reading also just kind of helps me get aligned with everything I have going on. But there's, there's one interesting book that I've been reading on anti-gravity Um if you're into that stuff and you're, you're a geek like me, and you love books about anti-gravity. I'm telling you, I just can't put it down. I I just, I just can't put it down. Okay. That was a terrible dad joke. I had to try anyway. (laughs) See, that's why they call them dad jokes, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I'm glad you (laughs) attempted it. Not me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. So what is it like having three daughters?
1: My, my hair's starting to fall out at a quicker rate than it never had before. <laughs> um, it's, uh, uh, my daughters are, are ages 11, eight and seven. Um, it's, uh, it, it's interesting cause each one of them has got such a different personality, um, that, uh, always keeps life interesting around here. I, I will say that, um, i've got one of them the youngest one is 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 very uh very antagonistic and she's very good at it so she can make uh make some chaos for everybody in the family (laughs) at times but she 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 does it in a fun way so it's actually uh it's actually pretty pretty interesting at times but um you know it's it's kind of weird because i i I thought all the years i started being a parent kind of later um I believe I was 38 with our with my first first child. Um but when I was younger, I always yes, I always envisioned uh uh having boys, you know, playing baseball and football and stuff like that with them and uh, maybe more of the rough housing thing. And um yeah, I mean when when you find out you're uh you're having daughters and then you do have daughters, uh I didn't ever see myself, uh, painting fingernails, um, doing, making hairdos for them and, uh, having tea parties. (laughs) (laughs) So, but that's kind of how it goes when they're younger here.
0: Well, what was it like when you, when you first got that news and I'm, I'm thinking of that, that dad that just, he's, he's, I'm thinking of that new dad that just found out for the first time that he's going to be a dad. And, uh, then he finds out that he's going to have a girl for the first time and just the emotions that, that he goes through.
1: My wife and I didn't exactly see eye to eye, um, with the first child to want to know, I wanted to know what the sex was and she didn't. Um, she wanted to be surprised and I'm not big on surprises. So I wanted to (laughs) mentally prepare. So, um, at the 20 week, um, ultrasound, um, after the, after the tech got done doing her work, um, uh, when my wife went into the bathroom to clean up and everything else, uh, the tech asked me, she goes, could you tell if it was a boy or girl? I said, my guess is a girl. And she, she confirmed. She goes, yeah, I, she goes, I, I definitely saw a girl. So I guess I knew at 20 weeks that, uh, that was, uh, the way, the <laughs> way things were going to go. So, um. And I think it was, uh, she was born a month early. So, I mean, I, the interesting part was I had to hold that secret for the whole time until she was born because my wife absolutely did not want to know. And, um, her family, she, my wife's got a, a rather large family. She's one of eight brothers and sisters and they all wanted to know, and they knew I had the secret. So they were constantly, um, constantly working me to try to get that information out of me and, so they could buy, you know, uh, baby gifts or whatnot. When, when the baby was born, they wanted to know if it was a girl or boy. I says, well, just buy stuff that's color neutral, go green. <laughs> <You
0: know? laughs> was like it easy that. to keep the secret?
1: Uh, yeah, I, for me, it, generally it was, I mean, um, you, you just got to get that mindset right away that it's like, I got a joke about this each and every time somebody asks about it, because if you talk about it, try to talk in general conversation, you might just say something that would tip them off, you know? No so, kidding. It was, it was, it was, uh, and, and it was the same, same scenario on the second one. The third one, she wanted to know.
0: <laughs> I wondered after a while, the whole secrecy of it just kind of wore on her a little bit and that, that makes sense.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, she was, well, I think it was more along the lines. She wanted to know if she could get rid of the girl. Cause, her brothers and sisters had handed us down a lot of clothes from, from having their kids mm-hmm. and uh, we had totes and totes full of clothes. And she was like, you know, if I know what sex this ba- last baby's going to be, I can get rid of all the others because he knew that was going to be it. So, <laughs> so we could uh, purge some of it.
0: That's awesome. So, I mean, with three daughters, I, I imagine that especially in the early years that can be so demanding how, how in the world did you manage to balance that with, with a career, with a full-time career?
1: Well, I, th- I think the hardest part was um, uh, I was working, at, when, the first, when the first daughter was born, I was working for uh, uh, two different law enforcement agencies. So I would, uh, a lot of times... Um, and, and uh, yeah, so a lot of times I was actually doing double shifts. Um, and then at one point I was, uh, I, I got into my uh, full-time position that I'm at in Cedar Rapids now and working one of the law enforcement jobs still. So it was always kind of a, an overlap, so to speak. So, I mean, I would work maybe a day shift, seven, 7 in the morning to 3 in the afternoon, and then I would be off for a few hours and go for a 7 at night to 3 in the morning shift. On patrol for law enforcement, Um, that takes you a lot of hours away from home. Um, My wife and I decided uh, early on too with the or with the first one that she wouldn't she wasn't going to return to work and stay home with the child, so I could uh, basically go out and and do those positions, and she would still be able to be home with the child and not have to go down the daycare route and everything else. So, uh, but that was the hardest part was you know I mean having different shifts uh, maybe two three nights a week where you double shift and you're just not here. So. I
0: think that struggle is very real for, for a lot of dads out there. Um, I, I'm sure there's quite a few that can emphasize with that, with that lifestyle, that constant balancing act. Um, I, I think it's very admirable that I'm admirable that you were able to, to pull that off successfully. I think, I think that's amazing, but yeah, if uh, for any dads out there going through that work and family balance and struggle out there, um, yeah, you're definitely not alone. That's that's a very very common thing to see and go through. Um, did you ever have any really low points as a parent that where it just took an emotional toll on you? And you, when that did happen, how did you how did you come out of that? How did you recover from those moments?
1: well i i think i could probably sum that up fairly easy uh it, it obviously wasn't a, wasn't an easy situation but it's uh, it's pretty easily explained um in in 2012 and 2016 both of those years i i ran for benton county sheriff and um uh i thought some things maybe needed to be uh uh repaired in our county as far as the law enforcement service so I stepped up and uh, took papers out and started the campaign prom- uh, process. Um, the, the hardest part about that is, is I was working both of those jobs. And then I started taking on a campaign. Well, campaign, um, I, I, I guess I'll just put it this way. It's, it's the most awesome experience I wouldn't wish on anybody. Um, because it, just, <laughs> it, it literally consumes all of your time. And uh, what I mean by that is I, I wasn't born and raised here, so I, I didn't have any re- I don't have any relatives to say per se in the county, and I never went to school here, so I don't have classmates or pe- people don't know you. they know you. The only way they knew me was through uh, my contacts with them in the law enforcement field. Um, the bad part about that is a lot of the people I had contacts with are not the voting public because. felonies or whatever the case may be um a lot of you know so i wasn't reaching the crowd i needed to reach to uh, be able to um have them know who i was so that that was the biggest hill to climb was to get out there and uh um i mean there's 15 i think there's 15 towns in benton county Uh, i think 13 or 14 of them have city councils so you go to city council meetings and um talk to them to get so they get to know who you are because uh they contract the sheriff's office for uh for their um their law enforcement protection um you go to like rotary club meetings you'd go to uh different schools would have you come in uh door knocking fire meetings um you know a lot of it, a lot of the time was consumed going door to door and uh, just talking to people and letting them know who you were um, by doing that, it took, an, it took an, amazing, an incredible amount of time away from family. And it's, the family was involved in a lot of that, like the parades and stuff. But you, you're so consumed by everybody else asking questions, phone calls, text message, emails, responding to that. Um, it takes every minute of your time. So those two years of 2012 and 2016 were basically like you were almost non-existent in a sense to the family because you were working on that stuff. And, um, obviously I wasn't, I uh, wasn't successful in either one of those bids. I had, uh, I had some really good numbers. I mean, I, I think the one year I, I pulled 43%, uh, which is a lot more than what I think people expected <laughs> I would do, not knowing people, just not knowing who I was. And, and, uh, so we got to know a lot of people that way, but, uh, that was probably the lowest, lowest part. Um, as far as that goes, uh, it wasn't, uh, it was after I lost the election in 2016, I decided to retire out of the law enforcement altogether and just worked the the code enforcement job in, uh, in Cedar Rapids and, uh, just worked a day shift. Uh, by the time that I, that had come along, I mean, I've accrued a lot of paid leave. Um, I earn you know, quite a bit of paid leave every year. So, um, now I'm able to take the kids to the, or go see the kids' uh, school concerts, their, their ball games, the soccer, the basketball. Um, if they got school events like their Halloween parties coming up, I'll take some time off and I'll go to those. Um, so I'm able to spend a, a lot of time with them and actually be really hands-on with them. And they're still at a young age where uh, I'm fortunate to be able to do that.
0: Was it really tough to make that transition to where you had uh, more time for your family?
1: the choice to leave law enforcement was hard because I truly loved it. And, um, but after I did it, the, it was like a enormous weight off your shoulders and it, it changed a lot. Like I said, being able to spend the time with the kids. And, um, you know, I, some of the people joke when I go to the schools cause it's a lot of the moms are at the schools for some of the events and then there's me. So, <laughs> you know, but, uh, Anyway, I get get a little hard time about that once in a while, but that's uh that's all right because you're able to spend that time with them and they'll, they'll and the kids appreciate it. So that's good.
0: That's good. I um something I get I get really curious about is um you know, your your daughters are very fortunate um to have a dad that even when you were in law enforcement, you know, you're doing the best you can to stay engaged in their life and, um, and, and be available for them. And then you made that difficult decision, uh, to leave and make yourself even more available for them. But I keep thinking of so many kids out there that are not that fortunate. Um, some where their dad, they don't even may not even know who their dad is, let alone, um, where their dad is or maybe their dad is somewhere around but their dad just isn't involved in their life and i always wondered from the law enforcement side of things if a lot of cops really see the fallout from uninvolved fathers unengaged fathers i mean have you ever witnessed that when you were out there
1: absolutely absolutely um I can give you some general examples, I mean, if, if you'd like. Um,
0: Absolutely. Uh,
1: you know, the first thing that comes to mind is like the domestic assault abuse calls. Um, that's a situation where obviously the father is, is, is there in that case. Um, but the kids are always uh, right kind of in the middle of that. And I shouldn't say always, but in, in a fair number of times, the kids are there. Um and they sometimes unfortunately get drugged into the middle of it. um what I mean by that, not so much the the physical violence part of it, but they have parents playing um by the time by the long time the law enforcement arrives um i I can think of one specific incident where there was a an eight year old boy that had been coached by his father to basically say that the mother had assaulted him on a number of occasions and that night. Um, after further investigation that night we found out that um, that really wasn't the case <laughs> and um, that he had been coached to say that um so when you got a parent or a father telling the child to basically lie to keep him out to keep the father out of trouble um, and basically from what I got out of the child after the fact it was he was basically guilted into doing it like, you know, you don't want your dad to go to jail. You don't want him to, you know, all this other, um, these other kind of guilt trips that would be laid on a child. And that's a lot for a kid to process, you know. Um, and Definitely. that's something that they're going to have to process the rest of their lives. Um, but uh, that that one really sticks in my head as far as, uh, you know, asking them to lie. But there was a lot of times I would, and one of the calls I get an awful lot was juveniles out of control. Um, and I would say probably in the high up in the ninety percentile range, it was a mother there with a child, and there was no father. And on numerous occasions, you know, after we'd be able to deescalate the the temper part of it and in the rage, um, in conversation with the with the kids, a lot of times they'd make reference to, you know, maybe I don't know who my dad is, or my dad doesn't care about me, or. Um, doesn't want anything to do with me or doesn't want to see me or you know basically to that effect that um uh they were they are basically pointing right to the fact that dad wasn't there it, you know whether it be physically or mentally or you know just just wasn't part of their life in a, in a valuable manner that's a hard pill to swallow it's never fun to see. I can tell you that on a call. I, I can only imagine
0: it's, I, I would probably just struggle with, with that frustration of trying to understand why a father would, would do that to a child in the first place. I mean, do you ever wonder if that's generational, if that father learned that from his father or where, if that breakdown is generational, I don't know if that makes well, sense
1: it it totally does and i th- i think that's a factor i think there's a lot of factors it's kind of a multifaceted uh uh problem and i i mean drug abuse is one of them i can tell you that right off the bat uh when the parents are involved in drug use there there's going to be a part of them that's going to be absent with their kids um just because the a lot of times the high becomes more important than what's actually going on under the roof um you know like i said the domestic abuse is another one Alcohol abuse. Um, there, there is a lot of factors that uh, that really play into that.
0: Do you see fathers? Um, let's say a ten. Let's just say ten years. Ten years ago. So, from ten years ago, do you see fathers as being more or less engaged now than they were, say, ten years ago?
1: I would say, in the latest part of my uh, law enforcement career. Um, I actually probably saw it being that they were less engaged. And I think there's a lot of factors that, that uh, equate into that. And some of them are some of the things I touched on about the uh, you know, the abuse of alcohol or drugs. But um, a, a lot of times, too, um, and, and I've noticed this through, through my own uh, professional um, workings, is that everybody's trying to do more with less right now. And if they can get an employee to work more hours and have less employees, that's what they're going to do. So your workload's going to increase. So you're either extremely tired by the time you are done with your shifts or whatever, or you're working longer shifts or you're covering shifts for people that are not there because uh, of sickness or whatever the case may be. you end up uh, being away from the home quite a bit more than I think uh, than maybe uh, what it was sometime back. Um, the, the world's getting expensive real fast and a lot of people are wanting to live a certain lifestyle and uh, they got to work a lot of hours to, to live that, unfortunately, sometimes.
0: So you're seeing it maybe as a, as just a cultural expectation um is is that kind of how you're seeing it?
1: Yeah, that's I think that's probably more of a fair assessment. I mean, it's it's definitely cultural uh contributors to it that are causing a lot of it, I think.
0: Well, that kind of leads me to to my next and really my last question with all of this. Um, because so we have a this cultural expectation that we as fathers are having to fight against if we want to maintain um, just a quality, uh, interaction and engagement with our children. Like we have to make this decisive choice is what it sounds like, because it doesn't really seem like the culture is really cut out to make that any easier for us. So, I mean, is there a challenge that you have for fathers out there specifically? What, what would you challenge fathers to do?
1: Well, i I'd probably say it as candidly as I can is, uh, I challenge fathers to put aside material wants. Um, I think a lot of times people are wanting a lot of toys in their lives, even as adults and, uh, you know, whether it be cars, boats, whatever the case may be to put those, uh, material wants aside and provide for the children's needs and focus more on that. Um, because that, uh, the children's needs are taking more, uh, more of a financial bite into a budget than than they had in the past, and that's just reality. So, I think that's a a focus that really needs to be brought in is to to focus more on uh, more on uh, more on the child's life at that point, and uh, instead instead of what uh, what you want to do maybe <laughs> for your your entertainment or enjoyment. So, um, there again, I I started uh, started having kids at, um at age 38 and I was 42 when my last one was born. So, um, you start realizing the number of years you're going to have to spend with them as children and as young adults. It's not the same as a parent that's 21 years old. Um, and things start getting real for you in that aspect that, uh, you know, I, I, I can say, uh, a year and a half ago, we were trying to get a class, a 30 year class reunion put together for high school. And you start realizing how many people out of your class have passed away already. And that uh, that's kind of a hard reality. When you start thinking, when you got young children that, Hey, um, you know, the time you're going to spend with them is pretty valuable and uh, you, you better make every memory you can with them because they'll take that on for the rest of their lives. And they'll also pass that on to their kids.
0: I think that is, I, I think that's an excellent, excellent challenge. Definitely takes takes a man to do that, a real man to do that, and it takes a lot of maturity to do that. But it is so badly needed, Um, and the evidence just—you were touching on that point of you know they will pass that behavior on. I think there's been studies actually that have proven that the effects of of involved fathers is actually generational; it's passed down. Um, not just in behavioral forms, but also in um, improved health, um, that also gets passed down as well. So it, it's so critically important, and I'm so glad that you said that. Furthermore, uh, I'm glad that you so grateful that you decided to come onto this show um, and to, just to share all this wisdom with, with all the fathers out there. So I, I really appreciate that. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Vince, for, for being on here.
1: Absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity. It was uh, a great time talking
0: with you. Well, that's all the time that we have for now. Um, So I really appreciate everybody for joining me. Uh, So just stay tuned from here for the next episode. Thank you. If you enjoyed the show and are getting value out of it, there are two ways you can support this podcast. One is by hitting the follow option on your favorite listening app. This will make it easier to see all the episodes and receive notifications when a new episode is released. The other is by checking out some of the swag in our store. They make great gifts for the holiday, a birthday, or any reason, and they help spread the word about this great movement. The link to the store is in the show description below. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you in the next episode.